Hello, everybody, and welcome back. So where we left off is we're now going to be jumping into the conversation on college selection. So really what this is all about is figuring out how to create your starter list of colleges. How can you start to categorize that into your safety schools, your reach schools, your dream schools? And then also, what are some other factors you should consider when selecting a college? And so from last week, we had you guys do a little bit of homework, you know, figuring out what you wanted to major in, what your careers were. And Diana, now that they've done their homework, what's next? Alrighty, so this step is super exciting and this is basically where the rubber meets the road, right? So, so now that you have the majors in mind, the first thing that, the first thing that we're gonna do, we're gonna uh, use data that is reported to the federal government on a regular basis by all the universities and all the colleges across the country. And we're gonna identify which colleges are actually meeting some specifications that we would like. So basically the first way to slice the data, before I tell you that, the first thing that you're gonna do, uh, if you are kind of doing things in parallel with us right now, go to College Navigator. So just Google it, just go to College Navigator. College Navigator is uh, maintained uh, by the federal government and it includes all the up-to-date data that's available out there from all the colleges for all the years. So you're gonna have like this massive amount of data in front of you, which is very, very nice uh, put together and categorized. So Google College Navigator, and the first thing that's gonna come up, just go there. And now we're gonna start kind of keeping in mind your majors. We're gonna start kind of selecting universities. So one of the things that many uh, students and many parents do when it comes to college selection, besides the majoring, right? It's how far do I want the college to be from home? So College Navigator actually allows you to put in specific states or it allows you to really put in specific distance from your zip code in essence. So it basically can be 200 miles away from home or 700 miles away from home. Uh, a fun fact is that um, there's a survey that's uh, conducted from time to time uh, and basically the vast majority of students want to be as far as possible from parents and then the vast majority of parents want their students to be as close as possible to home so uh, and then kind of there's a sweet spot there but um, this is how <laughs> if you feel like you want to be as far as pos possible from your parent it's normal <laughs> And if you're a parent and feel that your kids should be as close as possible to you, that's normal as well. So now that you kind of put in how far you'd like the college to be, let's go in and put those uh, majors in. So there's a section in College Navigator where you can select the programs um, and go in, check a couple of programs from your kind of major list that uh, we talked about in the previous uh, uh, episode. And then, um, once we do that, uh, we're also gonna make a few more selections. So one of the selections is we have an option to actually check a two-year college versus a four-year college. It's my recommendation that you check a four-year college because right now we're not talking about the transfer option. The transfer option has already been covered. And if you're interested in the transfer option, that's fine, but let's focus for now on the four-year uh, college specifications. So now that we have that, we can go ahead and generate 
our list of colleges. So this, what we're gonna get, it's a, a initial or starter list of colleges. Your list of colleges now is basically uh, narrowed down only based on two features in essence, or three. So one of them is the majors, the second one is how far you'd like for the college to be from home. And then the third thing is the four-year degree, basically. So now you may end up with anywhere from 20 to 50 colleges in your starter list. Uh, when I did this for myself, uh, I ended up with about 30 colleges in my list. So let's call this the starter list. And what we're gonna do next, we're gonna start narrowing down the starter list, adding some extra information to it. Uh, what helped me to do this was basically just export the list from College Navigator into Excel and then add various kind of pieces of information to the Excel document as we went along. So uh, the next piece that we're gonna touch on on narrowing down our starter list is using high school, uh, high school GPA and then using the test scores. So what we're gonna do next, keep your high school GPA in mind while you're doing this. So there is a good thing and, uh, and a not so good thing about the federal government, right? So the good thing about federal government is that they keep track of massive, massive amounts of data. The issue is that the federal government doesn't track high school GPAs or average high school GPAs for the students that were admitted at the colleges that you're interested in in the past. Now, there's another entity and typically it's College Board or Princeton Review. Both of these kind of keep track of the high school uh, GPA and they do so through the common data set. So you may have already heard of the common data set. So the common data set is this massive data request from College Board and uh, really the rankings companies that send this data request to universities across the nation and say, could you fill this information up please and provide it to us? And then they use this information in rankings and uh, in, on their websites and everything else. And they do publish this kind of information as well. Now there's issues with the data, uh, with the common data set. So one of the issues is that not all universities fill out the common data set every year. And then um, the second thing is that when it gets published, not, um, Wait, so, so the issue with the common and quick question. Just, it was college, so there's the website College Navigator. So okay. that's kind of where students will go. They'll input the different majors that they've selected. The location distance is the first two filters on that, right? And then this is kind of a bit more in depth of where they're now going into their own Excel document that they've now created from the exported list from College um, Navigator. And they're now using data from either College Board or what was the other one? The Princeton, Princeton Review. Princeton Review. Okay, so College Board or Princeton Review. Princeton Review. Prince, I can't say that. Princeton Review. <laughs> and using that to kind of now figure out the majors. But also, I know that some universities will also publish right. majors 
and degrees. So made no GPAs for different degree programs as well for like the previous year. Right. Some will do, but some, some. will. So, yeah. so basically, yeah, I, I guess, uh, yes. So I should, I should definitely mention that. Um, but the problem is that with that is that you cannot get these in a centralized way. So that's the main issue, right? As opposed to all the other data, you can get all the other data on uh, test scores, on uh, cost, on net price, on location from home, on many other things. You can get it from College Navigator, but the data on high school GPAs, you cannot get it on College Navigator and you can get it from one of three or four sources. So the first source for the high school GPA, it's either the college, so if the college publishes it on its website, you're gonna be able to find the average high school GPA for the students that entered the previous fall. Um, either the common data set, so some universities publish the common data set on their website and you're able to kind of sc scroll through it and weed through it and find out what the average GPA was. And then uh, also that common data set then gets reported to College Board or uh, Princeton Review. And then College Board and Princeton Review kind of provide this data for more colleges and universities in, uh, through their portals. Um, but the problem is that, like I said, uh, that um, not all colleges and universities report this data on a regular basis. And it's not clear when uh, this data gets updated. And then uh, when College Board and Princeton Review provide this data, they don't always say which students from which year the data refers to. So basically, College Board and Princeton Review are good go-to places to get an idea about the average GPA for the students that came into a particular university the previous year, but it might be not the previous year, but the previous few years. And basically there's no data timeline on that data. Okay, perfect. So it's just kind of to get an idea of the general GPA yeah. for that specific college. Exactly. What they accept, right? And I'm guessing you're doing that so that way you can see if you're competitive as a student, exactly. right? Exactly. So okay. you need to see where you stand in relation to the students that the college accepted in the past. Okay, so you're just kind of using that as a comparison point. But I know a lot of, you know, colleges also accept students whose GPAs maybe don't line up with the averages, right? Exactly, exactly. And so I guess take it with a little bit of grain of salt for, for some students. It's just a way to kind of benchmark almost, but it's not you know, God's word, True. so to speak. True, that's that's exactly right. But also the other side of it is that when you're gonna uh, kind of try to put together or narrow your startup list down to about eight to 10 colleges and you wanna see which colleges you have a high chance of getting in, this is one of the benchmarks to look at. Okay, perfect. So it's just a way to kind of narrow down your list into yeah. the different, category so whether you, you know you're very likely to get into school that could be like a starter school yeah you know the school that you're you know like a community yeah. college is a 100 guaranteed in right. right 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 and then if it's something where you're not sure it might be a reach school and then a dream school where you're kind of like i wild card yeah as in you may make it and maybe your gpa is not uh in line with 
the other GPAs from the previous ones, but the, the university basically sees something that really wants you in. So, um, so basically, we're going to narrow down the starter list of colleges based on about two factors. Um, specifically, so when it, times, when it comes time for you to actually apply, um, you can apply to eight to 10 colleges and you should kind of have a as clear as possible idea about which ones you're kind of, you have high chances of getting in and which ones you have okay chances of getting in and which ones you're gonna have like some chances of getting in. And this kind of information, so basically the high chances of getting in are gonna be your safety schools. The about okay chances of getting in are your rich schools and then like, some chance to get in and the wild card are going to be your dream schools and this information is going to come in handy from the perspective of identifying the colleges to apply to uh, doing college visits right because college visits tend to be expensive because you are schlepping yourself with your whole family and you're probably spending a night or two somewhere right and in a hotel and everything else and then application fees can add up real quick. So in the past, the application fees for colleges were like about $30, $40. Uh, I think now the application fees this year are likely to go to $50 to $70. So, so basically, the reason why we're narrowing down the list is to know where we have a chance to get in, as well as kind of keep the costs under control as much as possible, like the college visit cost, the application cost, because we don't want to spread ourselves too thin. Okay, no, that, that makes total sense. And then, you know, I know like high school GPA is one factor, but there's also like a whole bunch of tests like the ACT, the SAT. Right. Um, is that another thing that students could look at to help them? Yes, yeah. So, um, so first of all, before we kind of go into the nitty gritty part of the tests, let's just talk about what happened in the past year or so. With the pandemic and everything, many colleges switched from requiring standardized testing into making the testing optional. And some colleges, uh, such as the UC system colleges, were uh, became test blind. So let's talk about the different the differences in between required test, test blind, or uh, optional test. So when the test is required, and many states uh, are still maintaining the requirement for uh, for uh, standardized testing, and also many colleges that gave it up are switching back to requiring standardized testing. That means you have to submit the, the, the scores for admission, like either the SAT or the ACT, it doesn't really matter which one, colleges have a way to weigh them properly. <clears throat> but if the testing uh, is required, you absolutely have to submit the SAT or ACT for consideration for admission. The other option, um, the other option for testing is the test optional colleges. So as I was saying in the fall of 2020, which is basically last fall, and it's likely that, that that's gonna be maintained for the fall of 2021, um, many colleges that used to require standardized testing switched to optional testing. So optional testing means that if you take the test and if you wanna submit your scores, you can, the university is gonna look at them if you submit them. 
and the university is gonna take you in for consideration for admission. Now, the other side of it is that if you don't wanna take the test or if you take the test and they'll score well, or you like, in essence, you don't wanna submit scores, the colleges are gonna look at you, optional test, colleges are gonna look at you and give you like a chance, a consideration for admission. So you're not in any way at a disadvantage if you're not taking the, the test. Now, um, in terms of test optional, my advice, and we're gonna kind of go into this a little bit later, my advice in terms of test optional is to actually get familiar with the testing, uh, with the scores of the students who came into the college before you and kind of see what your, or what your test stands in relation to them. And I'm gonna explain more on this. And then if you're scoring high, then it's a good idea to actually submit your test score if you already took the test and scored well. So then the last option is the test blind uh, colleges. So UC system, it's one of the systems that uh, was required to be test blind. And it's unlikely that it's gonna go back at any point in time, uh, their life is actually moving into their own testing uh, models. But test blind colleges means that if you took the test, scored whichever score and submitted it, the university cannot look at your tests under any circumstances and is not gonna use those tests for any admission consideration decisions. So basically you took the test, good. The college is not gonna basically put any weight on that test. So, so it kind of means nothing in terms of your application. So exactly. let's say, you were thinking about going to a school where it's blind, then you don't really need to take the ACT or SAT because it doesn't matter. Yes, exactly. So, so basically nobody's gonna look at your test scores uh, and they're gonna make the decision based on everything else but test scores. So everything else but test scores means high school GPA, strength of the high school curriculum, essay, different things like that, um, grades in uh, college prep courses. And this became very, very common, especially with the pandemic and everything else that has been going on. The main uh, features that admissions officers has, have started to look at uh, once the colleges went either test optional or test blind, were either the high school, the high school GPA, the grades in the, the college prep courses, uh, the strength of the high school curriculum, uh, essays, and many other things like that. So now that we know kind of with test scores what blind, optional, or required means, how can you know a student use that when narrowing down colleges? Alrighty, so, so this is where things kind of get more involved and a little bit more interesting as far as I'm concerned. So basically now you have your list of, uh, the starter list of colleges where you probably have like many colleges. So let's just say you have 30 colleges for the sake of the argument. So what I want you to do next, you go back to College Navigator and uh, start researching each one of these colleges specifically for the test scores. 
So what you're going to be able to see is that each uh, university provides the test scores, the 25th and 75th percentile for the students, the test score for the students that actually came in the previous fall. So right now, at this particular point in time, you're going to be able to see the test scores for the students um, for, for the students who entered that particular university in the fall of 2020. So, and because of that, you're going to be able to see, keeping your test score in mind, you're going to be able to see how you're doing versus the 25th to 75th percentile, right? So let's say your test score is 1100 on an SAT for the sake of the argument. So now as you're going through your colleges, you're gonna see that some colleges are gonna have test scores say in between 600 and 1200, which basically puts you close to the 75th percentile. Or some colleges are gonna have scores in between 900 and 1500, which actually puts you not so close to the 75th percentile, but kind of sort of in the middle. Uh, and then some colleges are going to have test scores starting at 1,000 and go all the way to 1,600, right? So that way you can kind of see where you stand versus the students who got in in the past from the test scores perspective. So now, now what we're doing, um, what I would like you to do to, is to actually go into the Excel spreadsheet and actually put the test scores, the 25% percentile for the test scores for the, all the colleges uh, that you have in your list for the fall of 2020. And also put the average GPAs in, average high school GPAs for the students who entered in the past. And now what I want you to do is kind of take a critical look at this and kind of figure out which colleges are likely to be a safe bet for you and which ones are gonna be. So basically a safe bet is you have very high chances of getting in because your test scores or your high school GPA is very close to either the average or either the 75th percentile. And this is kind of going back now to the test optional, right? So if your college is test optional, so basically they don't necessarily require the test score, but you scored close to the 75th percentile, my recommendation is that you send in that test because uh, it's gonna help you in the college admission process. Now, if you score closer to the middle or the 25th percentile, then you have a decision to make on whether or not you want to send in your test score. So now you have high school GPA, you have your test scores, and now you're going through the list and saying, what are my probabilities, like in the big picture of things, because there's more factors and there's no one admission formula. What are my probabilities of getting in based on only these kind of elements on high school and test scores? And start ranking your colleges. So the ones that you're likely to get in, no problem because your test score in high school GPA is very high, call those safety. Then the ones that you're likely to kind of sort of get in, call those rich. So you might be able to reach them, but you don't really know if they're gonna take you in. And then the ones that you're a little bit on the lower end of the high school GPA or of the test scores, if you did test scores, uh, then put those in the dream category. As in, these are a, lo a long shot. It's not impossible to get in, but from the quantitative side of things, right? It's a little bit hard to get in uh, because your stats don't really align, but you should still apply. So, and now what we're gonna do next, so now you have three sets of schools, now what we're gonna do next, I'm gonna tell you how to look up the cost of attendance and the net cost. 
And then now that you have the academic fit in place, right, with these two quantitative measures, the high school GPA and the test scores, and then now that you have this financial fit section of it, and you already have the majors in the whole picture of things, right? Because all of these colleges that you already selected have the majors that you're interested in. Now you're going to see how much they cost and how you want and narrow down your list a little bit more. So uh, before we move to the cost piece, uh, let's see if we should recap on anything else. Yeah, so kind of through this, so everyone has their list of colleges, they'll go to college navigator. So kind of like the homework assignments for, for this week, right? right? You have your list of colleges. Step one, go to college navigator, put in your list of interested majors, and then see all the different colleges or universities that have those majors and you can filter based on locations, right? So that's how you get your first starter list of colleges, right? So step one, starter list. And then step two, is assessing your academic fit, right? So to do that, you need your high school GPA and you wanna look at your test scores. And so to get the average test scores of all these universities, you would go either to College Board, Princeton Review, or some universities actually post the test scores themselves or great GPAs themselves, GPAs, and maybe test scores as well. I'm not 100% on that. And then, but College Navigator, has the test scores for certain. And then from there, you would start to create your list and your categorization of what are your safety schools, what are your reach schools, and what are your dream schools. And then there's a whole other layer, which we're gonna get to next week, because that's already a lot. <laughs> that's, that's a lot of playing around, um, but kind of what can people look forward to you know, next week or for the next episode that we'll be doing? next session um, right right yeah it's it's a lot but um just hang in there with us uh, this is going to be very very helpful because you want to find the college that's a good academic fit for you but it's also a good financial fit for you uh, and next week we're going to talk about the college costs basically how much each cost uh, each college costs and what's involved in the cost of attendance and then also about the net cost, which is in essence your out-of-pocket cost. And then once we do those things, we're gonna talk about um, how much that you should really consider taking on for a degree. There's a way to actually look at that, look up that information. So we're gonna touch on all these three things in the next episode. We're gonna talk about my favorite thing, finances. <laughs> Perfect. Well. I know that was a lot. I know I learned a lot. This is actually, you know, before Diana, this is actually the decision-making process that I used um, to actually get into colleges. So I went out and kind of did my own homework. I was like, I don't know. I know I want to transfer. I know, you know, I kind of want to stay in California, uh, but open to exploring other states potentially, and then made a list. I, I kind of did the opposite. I just looked at the top 10 schools and I was like, I should be able to get into one of them. <laughs> like, and then went and looked at the GPAs at all the universities to kind of figure out that. And then kind of realized, actually, I should be able to get into like UC Berkeley. I was like, that, that seems like a, a safety school. And everyone was like, that, but that's a reach school for so many people. But I was like, but I'm 99% sure it's a safety school for me. And 
you know, did that for the geography degree, figured it out. Um, fortunately, I did get in and, and graduated from there. So I was right. I did get in, but it was a little anxiety inducing because I only applied to four schools because I didn't want to spend a lot of money on applications. And, you know, that whole analysis process really helped me figure out and figure out the likelihood of me getting in. And so hopefully this method, you know, this, I wish I knew about College Navigator before I was applying because that would have made my life so much easier. I spent so much time trying to figure this stuff out with no guidance. So hopefully this will help somebody else out there. And hopefully you'll get into your dream schools. We'll catch you guys next time. Stay safe.